This is Takeaway Only, a podcast about the hospitality industry in crisis. I'm Howie Kahn, and these are the stories of the people who take care of you. Today's guest is Natasha Pickowitz, formerly the executive pastry chef for Matterhouse in New York City, a restaurant group that includes Flora Bar, Estella, and Ultra Paradiso. Now, having been let go from her position, Natasha is confronting how to make it on her own, occupationally, and as it relates to her own identity. Coming up, how Natasha is confronting her new independence, and where you can find her desserts and an important new online initiative. This summer, we're running new episodes every Friday. Please hit subscribe so you don't miss them. Stay tuned now for Natasha. Natasha, hello. Hi. Hi, Howie. Great to be here. Thanks for being here. I appreciate it on this sweltering, sweltering day. It's 300 degrees in New York City today. Oh my gosh. Well, I bought for the first time ever my first air conditioning unit. Ooh, congratulations. Thank you. Yeah, I'm from San Diego. So I think I have this like preconceived idea that I don't need it or like I've never needed it. But this summer I was like, you know what? I'm actually like in my apartment and home all the time. So I need to be comfortable. Right. You can't rely on like the cold pastry walk-in, the cool cool confines (laughs) of the the pastry kitchen. Exactly. (laughs) Um, We were just talking before we started a little bit about uh, some social whiplash and this idea of popping back out into public. You've been doing these pop-ups at Superiority Burger on Sundays uh, called Never Ending Taste, which is a great name that I want to talk about. But I'm curious about this idea of what it's like to see people in a broader way after not seeing people for months? I mean, I, I feel like time is unfolding in this different speed and in this diff- different rhythm. And, you know, a month will lapse or a week will lapse without like really seeing anybody beyond my like inner circle of maybe like maximum 10 people. And now all of a sudden we're doing this kind of contactless, um, you know, pay in advance model at Superiority Burger. Um, which is great because people are able to come. I know who's going to be there. And some of the people are people I worked with five months ago and haven't seen since the first week of March. Some are friends that I would see all the time going out to restaurants on my weekend. And, you know, there are people that live in Manhattan and I live in Brooklyn. So, you know, being able to see those people, you're kind of like, so catch me up on like the last five months, four months. Like, how are you? You know, it feels a little bumbling, but it also feels so nourishing and so amazing. This coming back together is, is very strange. I think there's so many different levels of how it's happening across the country and here in New York. And there's, there's people who don't want to engage with people at all. There's people who engage warily. You don't know if you're supposed to hug somebody or touch elbows or just stay the fuck away. (laughs) Totally. I mean, it's also like this idea of, I'm such an extrovert. I'm such a people person. Like I love, you know, a little chaos and like that tight proximity of being around tons of people like jammed into a space, like concerts, busy museums, packed restaurants, like, you know, that idea of like being in a group or in a gang. Like I really miss that feeling, but also like, I I don't know if this is true for you. I feel like the quality of the interactions and conversations I've had with people have increased because so so often it's a one-on-one or maybe like a group of, you know, three people. And, you know, I'm getting, I'm getting better quality time with people. And that also feels like incredibly, incredibly good, you know, and 
I think that's true. I'm, I'm still having some problems with like when to wear the mask, when not to wear the mask. Can they hear me through my mask? Do I have to repeat what I just said? Because the mask made it sound weird. Do I and sound then you're like Darth also... Vader? Is it changing <laughs> my tone? I think, I think as with, you know, everything, consent is so important. So like whenever I see somebody that I haven't seen yet, you know, you just really quickly like outline like what the boundaries are, you know, and it takes two seconds, but we're all having to readapt how we communicate and are around each other. So why wouldn't you just do what was necessary to make, you know, the person you're with feel comfortable because like it is that. different for people. Yeah. There should be like a little consent checklist front facing on each mask to remind everybody to, to go through it. Yeah. And, and well, it's funny doing the pickup at Superior Burger because you know, you're trying to make connections and have conversations with people, you know, through the masks. But for the most part, it's like you can feel when somebody is excited or smiling, like through their mask. And, it, you know, I'm not connecting with them any less. We just look a little bit different. I've actually been wondering that. I wonder if uh, people are going to be able to tell expressions by just looking at people's eyes. It's like a game show or something. Yeah, with really intense eye contact. Yeah. I like, love what it. What do my eyes say? <laughs> are, are my eyes smiling? Do I hate you right now? Yeah. Like, you can't see two-thirds yeah. of my face at least we're all figuring this out together you mm -hmm. know and there's something really leveling about that too how did yesterday go what did you it make was oh my gosh it was amazing so this we just wrapped up week two of never-ending taste which by the way the name was came up uh, by my mother um <laughs> which you know i was i was just trying to think of something fun and like I didn't want to think about it too hard. And she's kind of become a surprising collaborator uh, the last four or five months with the way we communicate because she's a visual artist. So, you know, I grew up, you know, going away to college and she would send me drawings, like letters that were illustrated, like in the mail. Like it's always kind of been like, that's amazing. Do you have love them still? language? Oh yeah. Oh my God. Oh. I can't throw away any of that stuff. Yeah. You know? No. So, uh, she, I basically asked if she would be interested in, in drawing the flyers for um, my pop-up at Superiority Burger because kind of riffing off of the style that Brooks has developed there of kind of like the flyer, the Sharpie flyer, but, you know, with our... Punk kind of rock type. concert poster, essentially. Yeah, it's like, it's so punk, it's so cool. And, but, you know, having it be like this um, collaboration between um, myself and my mother and... We just wrapped up week two, um, and it was so much busier than the week before, which is really good to see because I think, you know, I haven't done a pop-up in so long, and there's just so many, um, there's just so much about pacing and ordering and, 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 like, the labor involved. It's so much work, you know. I went from, you know, running pastry departments and kind of managing people to suddenly everything within my world of pastry is compressed into me and I have to do everything from like, you know, ordering, receiving the things, cleaning, putting away that stuff, mixing, washing dishes, sweeping, baking, serving, you know, like everything. And it, it's, um, I have the help of, of um, my friend Kristen, who also worked with me at Flora for many years and being able to also just like be back in a space with someone that I, whose moments I trust and understand and we communicate well and we're, we're just like moving and grooving. And the first week was like more kind of lumpy, you know, just being like, where does everything live here? Like how does, where are the hot spots in the oven? Like where does the trash go? You know, like figuring out all of that. We're kind of starting to get the hang of it sort of 
our sea legs maybe after not really working at that intensity for so long. And now it's, it just feels so amazing to just be able to work and feel tired and go to the markets and buy beautiful things and make ice cream and, and, and see the people that we love. It, it feels, it feels amazing. The restaurant belongs to uh, Brooks Hadley, the chef. Did he just turn it over to you for that period of time every week? Yeah, it's, it's, he's insanely generous. Um, he basically reached out and he's like, we're just doing these um, kind of vegan boxes from Wednesday to Friday. And then he's also making gelato for Rick at um, Bread and Salt Bakery in Jersey City. Um, so he was like, nobody is in this space Saturday, Sunday. He's like, I'm in here making breadcrumbs and dehydrating strawberries, but like nobody is in this space. You can come work alone. Let me know how I can help you. So that that's the way that he's facilitated that has really been um, incredibly meaningful for me. Um, and he just handed over the keys literally. Um, and you know, yesterday it was, it felt actually kind of busy. So he actually was like our fake expo for four hours. And he, we were like, you know, and it's so fun to, to be able to work with someone in that way. Um, I never really have with him before. So how busy is busy? How many people do you serve over the course of three hours? We set, um, I would say most people tend, because we set a par or like a limited quantity of things. Um, and then when we're sold out, we're sold out that way we're, you know, able to control uh, waste, um, you know, kind of run out every week and start fresh every week um, and have fun with the menu too. But we've, we're seeing that people are ordering like the whole menu. So I don't think we saw more than 60 or 70 people um, from yesterday on Sunday. Um, So, and it was steady and it was never really crowded and seeing also people run into each other in line that they hadn't seen, like seeing those, being able to peek out and see those conversations of people being able to reconnect. That felt, that felt great too. I think it's interesting that you're, you know, cross country collaborating with your mother and it got me thinking that, you know, this time of, of quarantine and this pandemic, I think has given a lot of people a chance to relearn their parents and deepen their relationship with their their mother or father if if indeed they like them and that's a, <laughs> a sought after thing and for you that seems to be the case especially restaurant people who are you know chained to their their station essentially and you don't always have time to talk to mom or dad can you tell me about that that kind of rejoining process i mean that's such a great observation i'd never really thought about that but i think you're totally right at least in my ex- case which is yeah, working all week, getting home really late. Like, I, kn- I know my mom is going to listen to this, but being like, I can't call after a certain hour because she'll know I'm still awake and I really should be asleep right now. They live in San Diego, so I can call later and they'll and it'll be earlier for them. But I'm like mindful of not wanting to seem like I got home from work at like after 10 p.m. or something like that. But the but um, the sh- you know sheltering in place and quarantining in my apartment in Greenpoint, I think like really allowed for us to check in on each other in a way that I don't think I've ever experienced before, which is texting all day long and talking on the phone like every day. I mean, and, you know, before I think like, you know, realistically or speaking on the phone, maybe once a week. So there's more this sense of like, catch me up on everything you've done this week, like run through the news, give me the highlights. But now the nature of the conversation, there's a much different, rhythm and flow. It's just like, 
more like the minutiae of what your day-to-day looks like. And then which in of itself is its own kind of intimacy, being able to just build on what you talked about the day before, which is what I have with all my closest friends too. Um, but we, you know, were speaking all the time and I was starting to pursue like these little pop-up projects and, you know, my mom had started just doing these small illustrations for me and I thought they were so incredible. And I realized that the, the nature of the conversations that we are having were changing from, um, although I still get this, are you taking your vitamins every day? <laughs> Do you have enough like socks? Can I send you more masks? I'm like, don't send me more masks. I have so many masks. Um, but kind of moving away from the like checking in on me to more just like, let's talk about my work and, and how we're going to work on this project together, like mm-hmm. as colleagues. And that's so exciting. That's so cool. You know, have you guys and ever also, collaborated before? In, in never, in never, cool. never, which is super insane. But now it's kind of, it was like this light bulb went off in my head. And also I'm sure a lot of other people can attest, hopefully can attest to these kind of conversations with their families. Like also, you know, in speaking with my father and I feel like with, um, you know, we're in such a, we're, we're like in this, you know, kind of civil rights movement right now. And I think, you know, with my dad, it was really making him think about like when he was a grad student in the late sixties, um, protesting against Vietnam war, um, his stories of, 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 um, military like occupancy on at the university of uh, Wisconsin in Madison, like what that was like being there, um, hearing those stories from him, I feel like so honored to be able to hear what like he was doing when he was my age, um, you know, as like a young person and an activist and, and how relevant and how timely it all feels and had found out that he had saved like meticulously these incredible artifacts from that period, newspapers, magazines, photographs he had taken of protests, um, flyers that he had helped design. Um, He was part of the first uh, graduate student union that was ever formed in the United States. Um, It was happened at at Madison. I'm like, what? I'm like holding out on these stories on me. But I'm also like, what this moment is doing is provoking people like me also to have those conversations with other people and figure out those stories. Cause I could have asked him at any time and he would have happily told me. So it, it's amazing to me now that this is also triggering a lot of reflection for, you know, people of like our parents' generation too, hopefully. It's interesting what happens when societies essentially shut down and in America where everything's very career first and very capitalistic in spirit and very much about being on a track and being relentless on that track when it gets derailed oh my god you're forced to connect with people in, in all sorts of ways that you wouldn't before absolutely and i and i've been talking about this with a lot of um people who were also working in the service industry and now are you know working on a not at all or on a much less, you know, like commitment level. Um, this idea also of, of burning out as like this state that we think we should be able to identify. It seems like it should, 
a burning out is like a flare, you know, mm -hmm. like a, like a burst of flame. And mm -hmm. then you, you put out the fire. Yeah. But I think the truth with how people in restaurants in New York city, from what I've seen work is that burning out is more just like a state of being, you know, it's something <laughs> you can exist in for uh, months and into years. And it was something that I saw. And I think that, you know, I went from working nonstop, you know, sometimes weeks at a time to just like nothing, absolutely nothing. And then you're finally are like, Oh, I don't think I would, I don't think this idea of burning out was like, is this moment that you have to capture. It was like something that had been, I had been living in for a very long time, like through the holidays. And then all of a sudden you're at this moment where you're completely still and have time to unpack, you know, how you're feeling and how you're doing and, and check in with yourself. It's like, I, I can't remember the last time I felt that way. And I know I'm not alone in that, you know, as a, as a person who's been furloughed for months now, how do you, how have you come to feel about your own independence? What does it mean to you? <sighs> um, wow. I, you know, I, I also, you know, I'm not in a state of being furloughed right now. Um, I, I was permanently terminated. Um, I, I was you know, technically furloughed, um, in that I was still, you know, um, I still had health insurance through my company through, uh, May. So that this was like a more recent, um, so at the end of May, they, they realized we can't carry this part of the team anymore. I we guess it was to, end of June, end of June. Sorry. End of June. I'm like, what, what day is it? It's okay. Time is, <laughs> time is very confusing. It's, it's all, it's all one long day. Yeah, it's, um, exactly. But, uh, but yeah, I think that my identity as a baker, as a pastry person is so closely for me, I owe, I owe, I'm indebted to so much the identity of the restaurants that I was coming from, you know, Ultra Paradiso and Flora Bar. So of course, like the idea of suddenly not having that and having to kind of figure out now myself what I'm going to do, um, that's terrifying. It's absolutely, it's absolutely terrifying. You know, the restaurants like Ultra and Flora, you know, are incredible places to learn and to grow. And there were so many resources that were shared with me um, while I was working there, you know, be, whether it's like being able to uh, teach classes or uh, do the bake sale at Ultra, you know, of course, like the thought of now having to just be me, not like me, comma, these places, yeah, that's so scary. Um, you know, that, that was my life for almost five years. But I think that, you know, what I'm seeing now is I'm someone who just likes to stay busy. So I'm just, you know, trying to um, engage with my work as much as possible, but in slightly different ways. And things like working with my mom is popping up. Things like being able to work at a superiority burger is happening. So I'm just going to like kind of trust my instincts and the collaborations that feel good and that feel fruitful and hopefully we'll feel more confident eventually about this idea of independence or, or being on my, being on my own, you know? Okay. So just to, just to clarify, it, it's not a situation where the restaurant is waiting to have a certain amount of money and payroll again to be able to rehire you. It's Natasha's doing her oh. own thing now. I mean, I don't know. Right. I don't know. I, I, I think I, I can't say I know what their plan is. I got don't, it. I have no idea, but all I know is like the email that I got that said I was 
uh, permanently terminated. Email. Um, a group email. Yeah. Come on. It was, it was, it was, it was brutal. You know, it was really, um, not a phone call. It was not, a, not a come in and let's talk about this. <laughs> I mean, I think dude. that I think that like a lot of restaurants, you know, I can't say I know what's going on behind the scenes or the kind of decisions restaurant groups are making now. Um, I've only really been on the receiving end of it, but I, I have heard a lot of similar stories from, you know, restaurants that are struggling with communication or, um, you know, figuring out what's ahead because I, I like no one knows what's ahead. I have no idea. I mean, everything it's, everything has been moving so fast, but I just don't really, you know, I'm like think trying to think of pastry chefs that are still employed in New York city and there aren't too many, you know, I think that, um, when restaurants are kind of examining their their bottom line and and who they can afford to bring back for the most impact or whatever you know it's not pastry um it's those that's not a priority you know unless you were running like a bakery or something like that right well it's an it's an interesting thing to have to confront forced independence and have to basically you know learn how to fly when you're pushed out of the nest i guess yeah it's an an animal thing and it's it's amazing i think what people learn they're actually capable of when they're detached from a team and they have to start thinking about things outside of the institution which you're doing you have this pop-up it's called i thought you know there was some interesting irony in the phrase like never-ending taste and i thought (laughs) like that was you saying like dude i'm not going anywhere (laughs) <laughs> like cut cut me off from like the source that you thought I had, but I am not going anywhere. I love that. I love that. That I was mean, my read. Definitely. Like, okay, you know, I'm, I'm down. Persistence. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Longevity. Uh, infinity. Um, <laughs> but yeah, you know, I think that like I kind of made this decision sort of on a subconscious level that I was just going to, use the rest of this year to kind of do more idiosyncratic projects, play around with pop-up. You know, I'm very fortunate. I'm very lucky in that, like, I can not work full-time right now. I'm, I, I'm okay. Like, I, I, I'm going to be fine. Um, and, and that gives me um, the freedom and choice to pursue things that aren't, you know, making me money, but are bringing me a lot of satisfaction, like the bake sale project that we're doing. So, you know, it's, it's the, the whole concept of it is predicated on the idea that knowledge is free and should be available to everyone. So this isn't, it wouldn't have been a project that would have had time to do if I was working full time, but now I can kind of like slow down a little bit, um, rest, you know, get through the rest of this year with my health and, and safety intact. And then, you know, and then we'll see what the restaurant landscape really looks like. You know, I, I don't think anyone really knows. Was that an idea you had previously or is it something that originated from what everyone's going through and to have sort of a centralized place to communicate and to tell stories and to share ideas? It definitely was that. Yeah. It it was not an idea I I had had um, because my experience was really in planning in producing an actual bake sale. But of course, you know, with COVID, 
the bake sale was canceled. It no longer feels appropriate to have an event where there are thousands of people uh, downtown, you know? Right. I remember uh, last year, I mean, you raised yeah. over $100,000 for Planned Parenthood. Yeah. It was like a six-figure raise. People were were around the block, down the corner, up the mm-hmm. avenue. It was wild. It was, it was such wild. a huge success. But what I'm really fascinated about is also contextualizing the success of that bake sale in the narrative of all three of the bake sales that we had thrown in those three consecutive years. And this idea of what did I learn from the year before? How are we improving on, on this model to make it more efficient, to make it more inclusive, to make it more dynamic? Um, th- I think that's the information that we're striving to provide for people through the bake sale project, which is not a physical event by any means. It's an online resource that aims to share strategies about how to organize and mobilize your community wherever you live, whether it's a small town or a more urban area. Um, You know, what I've been seeing now, and maybe this all, maybe the beginning of the pandemic sparked, you know, people staying at home to get into baking. Like we all saw that that was a thing. Mm -hmm. Um, Everyone was baking. (laughs) Everyone was baking. And then taking those skills then and being like, oh, I'm going to make, you know, I, a lot of people reaching out to me and being like, I, I want to do something for my community, but I don't know. I don't know how I want to have a bake sale, but I, I, I feel intimidated or overwhelmed at, at what it means to manage an event like this. Can you help me? And, you know, at the beginning of the, um, at, for a while, I was kind of answering and consulting with people like one-on-one best as I could, but that's not that efficient. And I think the idea of providing a, kind of like inclusive, collaborative set of resources that anybody can check in with um, is going to be an important part of what this project is. You know, it's going to be less about restaurants having bake sales and more about like maybe something that's happening on a more modest scale, but by people who don't know how to like cost out a dish or track their expenses or scale up their recipe for blueberry muffins times 10. You know, I think that those are the kind of things that people want assistance with you know i I love that you're going to include oral histories too from from different activist moments in in baking and feeding people exactly yeah that's actually kind of going to be the first wave of the of the um tools that we're going to share with people this idea of recording and protecting testimony and oral history um at every at so many different levels from you know um from a woman in oklahoma who raised six hundred dollars to this incredible Bakers Against Racism mo- movement that's sort of popped up out of nowhere, coalesced On- ongoing, in like two amazing. weeks. Yeah. yeah. And and they were able to motivate like thousands of people to raise uh, almost $2 million for different organizations. I mean, so it's about also getting their feedback, seeing what, what they thought worked, what didn't work, what they would change, what's ready for them, like a case study of what that event was, you know, as a day. Um, and then being able to just post them online and anybody can read and, and, and engage with those materials. I mean, I think you're dealing, you know, with stuff that's incredibly desirable right now and incredibly important. Activism and cake are two things that I think we all need to keep going. Yeah. And it, it's also such a wonderful I also love just examining what that relationship is between mm-hmm. those two things. I mm-hmm. mean, you know, with the thing that we're doing at Superiority Burger, like 
right now what the focus is is highlighting a different organization um, centered around food systems in America every week. So this week it was, you know, Soul Fire and next week it'll be something else. Um, we had the, idea, uh, on the show from Soul Fire. So good. Oh, yeah, exactly. Ooh. It's amazing. It's yeah. like it's it's and it's so important to amplify like what those what that work is and to, you know, continue to like yeah to see what what what's going on but also this idea of pastries it's like you know brooks and i were talking about this yesterday it's like everybody that comes is just like happy because you're getting a slice of cake or a scoop of ice cream it's like inherently this joyful exchange you know and i think that um you know tying it into like this idea of fundraising but in this more um kind of context of like grassroots activism is I think something that people want to take on and want to do. It's like appealing to organize and it's appealing to attend and support. Lead the way. Tell us what's coming up this week. Uh, it'll be Sunday the 26th, that never-ending taste. Yeah, so um, this week we're actually going to go to um, the rooftop farm garden at uh, Vice at Munchies. Um, it, they have this like little rooftop garden that the Brooklyn Grange team, I think, plants every year. And Faraday, the culinary director there, reached out and she's like, do you want to come by? And like, we have blue blackberries and cucumbers and garnishes. So I think we're going to go up there. Um, you know, it's, just, it's one of my favorite spaces in Brooklyn. It's so, it's like you wouldn't know it existed until you got up there. And then suddenly you're like deep in corn, you know, it's like, what? Like this exists, but they're not, normally they would have parties and whatever recipe testings with all that stuff. But of course they're not doing any of that now. So I think this, the slight theme this week is going to be harvesting from munchies desserts inspired by that. Um, trying to figure out, you know, what, which organization we want to highlight this week. Um, and also really letting a lot of our menu decisions be um, guided by the green markets, which, if you live in New York city right now, you should be going to the green market. If you can, like I can't, it, I felt super safe. It was like, you know, everybody was very socially distanced wearing masks. You know, those farms, you know, are normally selling their incredible products to restaurants and now are not as much probably. So I think it's really important to like be supporting those, um, those stands at the market too. And, and just letting the bounty of what's out there, like determine, what we're going to do. So I started seeing great melons, there's stone fruit, nectarines are going to come in soon. Um, you know, cherries are wrapping up probably strawberries. I don't know. I heard there's going to be another push in August. So it's fun. It's like, I think also that, you know, ultrawet flora, like operating and you know, like you come in all the time, like operating at such a high standard, you know, like the level of execution and the consistency is so high, um, which is why you can trust the food at those places, you know, it's going to be good. Um, but also realizing now in this moment that we're in is that I feel like people's expectations are slightly lower. Like I, I feel like we're writing menus without the same level of recipe testing and vetting before going live with it. We're just kind of like, I'm like trying to be more relaxed about it, you know, like it's like people are just so happy to have something sweet. Like the, the level, the rigorous level of like recipe development doesn't really play factor in the same way. So we're just changing the menu every week. And right. You, you know, can't do like nine rounds of testing on a strawberry shortcake. You gotta, you gotta go with your gut. Right. Which is, 
that's intense, you know, but mm -hmm. that's, that was how we worked. And I, that is the best way to work in my opinion, just being able to correct and fix and adjust things. But this is totally different. It's just There's like, also something to be said for trusting yourself though, and the skills you have and the things that are part of your toolbox. Yeah, it's true. It's really fun. It's kind of just like, you know, we want it to feel fun for us too, making those things. So, you know, focusing on, on farmer mark, like the green market stuff, focusing on fresh fruit, focusing on layer cakes, you know, like these are the things that bring us joy to make and, and produce. So if it doesn't, you know, if that cake slice looks a little bit messy, you know, people are like, it's still <laughs> you'll, be, you'll be forgiven, you know, <laughs> pre present a layer cake, people will show up, make cake, people will come. Natasha, our show's called Takeaway Only. Uh, what's your big takeaway from having work through this moment to discover new ways to be you? Oh my gosh. So many takeaways. Um, I think, I think that, you know, a really big takeaway for me has been about this idea of, of trusting your instincts and, and what you're, and this is guide and my gut, you know, truly. And this is guiding so many decisions I've been making on every single level, you know, from, how I'm, how I'm perceived or interacting with like the physical world and going out and, and being mindful of how we're, you know, supporting restaurants or being out in public and just going with what my gut is telling me. Like, you know, I think that it's like the tragedy of what this pandemic has been, the gravity of it. You know, I think that this like you only have one life to live thing is it was just like a clarion call for so many people, you know, and, and just me being like, you know what, like, fuck, like, this is so crazy. Like I, you know, I want every decision that I make to be like, feel really sincere and really like authentic for me. And part of that is going to be mistakes that are made along the way, you know, bake-offs that are less than perfect, pop-ups that are kind of scattered and come together at the last second. But everything has to come back with this, like, to this general question of, like, does this feel, like, authentic to me or not? Like, am I comfortable with what this is? And being able to just navigate this incredible uncertainty and, like, you know, with what's going on in the world and at least being able to sit within that, you know, the takeaway of, you know, being able to rest, like destigmatizing what it means to rest and take time off. And, you know, I think a lot of people in the restaurant industry feel a lot of guilt about resting. You know, it's like you feel like you should be working. You feel funny for having so much time off. You feel lazy. You don't feel disciplined. Like, that's so real. But for me, it's just like, you know what? Like, I, like, I need this time to rest now. And I'm going to learn to like figure out how I can best feel gratitude for what this feeling is, you know? I think those are all important things to understand and to work for, uh, work toward. I'm excited for you. I'm excited to see what you figure out on your own and to learn uh, what you stand for without the, uh, the institutions beside you as an, as an individual. So Natasha, thank you for being here. Natasha will be at Superiority Burger this Sunday and upcoming Sundays throughout the summer from 3 to 6 p.m. Yep, exactly. Thank you so much. Thank you, Natasha. Great as always.
That was Natasha Pickowitz. You can follow her on Instagram at Natasha Pickowitz. That's P-I-C-K-O-W-I-C-Z. And you can learn more about The Bake Sale Project at www.thebakesaleproject.com. Thank you so much for listening. Takeaway Only is produced by Casey Kahn, Rob Corso, and me, Howie Kahn, for Freetime Media. Our logo is by Reynald Philippe at Beepoles. Music by John Palmer. Special thanks to Kristen Millar, Antoine Ricardou, and Raphael Weil. We're back next week. This is Takeaway Only.